seated and I just pray today that 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 you'd take heed to that which you have I've just had an opportunity to sing as again Peter writes casting all our care upon him because he cares for you and I pray no matter where you are no matter what state you are in whether you be young whether you be old I saw some of our singers when they said that old age I saw them kind of <laughs> grinning up there you know <laughs> folks this going to not it's, it's old age, if, if God's gracious, is going to knock on every one of our doors. Right. You know, something's going to get you. So why worry about it? You know, if Jesus tarries, something's going to get you. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that means then you'll be eating breakfast with Jesus in the morning time. You know, how much better is that? Man, be on permanent vacation. Can't be better than that. As a matter of fact, I want to be speaking about that in just a moment. As we, If you take your Bibles and you turn to Philippians, the fourth chapter, we're going to kind of pick up where we left off last week and just, just feel that this is an issue that, that we need to, to really address within our lives and, and, and just pray that God will just open that up to us. As, as we're going to be speaking today on the, on the joy of being set free from worry. Man, how good would that be? Being set free... From Rory. You know, this week, excuse me, this week has been, been quite a week from the standpoint of, 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 of ministry and, and just dealing with all types of situations. You know, people that was just, man, life just seemed to, to be throwing them a, a curveball right now and just tough, and then people that are sick and, and um, just, just fighting battles. You know, we've heard the loss and our heart grieves. I want to pray for just a moment for the family of little 
um, uh, of little Braden. Folks, life's tough. Life's tough. But God is still in control. As a matter of fact, I'm going to be preaching tonight and, and, um, and, and, and on the idea of can you trust God with your troubles? Can you? Can you trust God with your troubles? Or are you going you're gonna to kind of hold on to them and instead of as, as leaving them there, just, just take them back with you and, and kind of wallow around with them a little bit? We're going to be looking at that tonight. But, but folks, we live in a troubled world. We live in a cursed world. But the good news is we're not of this world. There's something better awaiting us. But let's just take a moment right now and pray. Maybe you have some, 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 just some heartache going on in your life or, or maybe someone around you. Pray, but, but take it to the Lord and let's leave it there. Let's go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father God, in the name of Jesus, God, um, you know about all every situation, Father, every situation we face. You know about the family that, that I, I minister to this week. It's just, Lord, God, it's just, again, life is just, just twist them around, Lord. God, you, you know about the illness, oh, Lord, and God that, that, that has just, just fought, God, and, 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 and knocking at the, the doors of so many families. You know about the heartache, dear Father, of, of, of little Braden, going home to be with you. God, I can't understand that. But God, I know your word says your thoughts are not our thoughts. And God, your ways are not our ways. And God, you're still God. And Lord, nothing catches you by surprise. And God, that your shoulders are big enough to, to, to handle every care, every worry, every concern. But God, what I pray today, that God, that you'd, you'd minister to those who are fighting these battles. And God, that you, your grace, your, your grace that is sufficient, dear Father, would, that, that God would just flood upon their souls and give them what they need. And, and God, um, just minister to the Lord to these families, minister to Braden's family, God. But God, um, I just pray that right now that your grace would just rest upon this place. God, there's people that's walked in here today that has carried some heavy loads, Lord. God, um, there's some people that's walked in here today that's just wondering, what am I going to do? Um, tomorrow. But God, you already know about that. You knew about it for the foundation of this world. And God, what I, I, again, I pray for the grace of faith, Father. We realize that faith itself is a gift from you. And I pray that, God, that you would grace us with the faith that we need to God to leave our troubles on you. And so, Father, I just pray that you'd bless our time this morning, God, that Christ would be lifted up. And God, that again, we will see the great God that you are and, Father, we would praise you as only you are due. Bless our time in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Again, if you have your Bibles, if you turn to, to, to Philippians, the fourth chapter, if you found that, let me know. Amen. Got it there? Let, let's, let's, let's turn to that. Let's all stand together as we read. And we're going to, uh, again, look at Philippians, the fourth chapter. Gosh, i got to find it myself. Philippians, the fourth chapter, and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to begin, um, let, me, let me start back in, in, in verse 4, where the Word of God teaches us, rejoice in the Lord always, again, I say rejoice. Now, I tell you, folks, if we could just stop and, and, and be there for a while, rejoice in the Lord always, in the good times and the bad times and all the times in between. God is still God, and He's still worthy of our praise. 
We need to shout to him. And then he says, let your moderation or let your graciousness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And then he says, be careful or be anxious or don't worry about anything. Wow, that's a pretty big statement. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. He says, finally, my brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do. You need to circle that do. You need to underline it or highlight it. It's kind of snuck in there. He says, all the things that I've told you and all the things that you've seen in me, do something about them. Do it. And the God of peace shall be with you. God bless the reading and the preaching of this word. Change our lives, Lord, in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I want you to stop, and I want you to think about it for just a moment. Uh, think about a place, if you would, a place that there would be absolutely no worries, no cares, no concerns. A place in which you would be set free from every, ever fretting about anything. Have you ever fretted? As a matter of fact, much more than what I really want to admit. As a matter of fact, in your old pessimistic self, you may say, there is no such a place. Yes, there is. As a matter of fact, it's a place that the Bible calls heaven. A place where there will be no more sickness, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. A place where every need will be met. Well, folks, that's not a bad place. Man, you know, we, we, we try to pray to keep people out of there. Man, we need to pray people in there heaven. But did you know that actually there was a place for mankind before and the first man and the first woman lived in such a place? It was called the garden. Because when God <clears throat> created the heavens and the earth, he created it perfect. He, he, he said it was good. And, and when, he, when he created man, he says that's very good. And, and then he placed man in a perfect garden. And the Bible says that not only did he place them within a perfect garden to meet every need that they had, but he come to dwell in the garden with them. And just imagine Adam and Eve. Never once did they have to fret <clears throat> about the, what they were going to eat. Everything was provided for them. Never once did they have to worry about, about some relationship that's went south because everyone, everyone's heart was at peace with one another. They didn't have to worry about fighting against the environment. There was not even any thorns in the ground. Heck, they didn't even have to worry about what clothes to wear today, man. They didn't have any. That's crazy thought. And any, anything that they even thought or that might even uh, cropped up in their, their minds, they didn't even know about worry. And even God there was to walk in their midst to make sure. 
Folks, that's what God has created for you and me. Did you realize that worry was not a part of God's plans? Being concerned about things is not God's desire for you and for me. That's not what we were created for. That's what God places within. Folks, it's the matter of sin and the fall that has introduced worry and concern and fretting. And so worry is not of the world that God created. It's of the world of sin. But you know, the good news is, as Paul said in Philippians, the, fourth, the third chapter, verse 20, if you're a child of God, our citizenship is not of this world. Our citizenship is of heaven. And you know what that means? Then worry is not a part of our being. And so therefore, that with which we introduce when we allow ourselves to worry, when we allow ourselves to fret, then we are introducing something into our lives that God has not planned for you and me. I love what one writer said, and let me just read this to you. And I want you to think about Dr. E. Stanley Jones writes, he says, I am inwardly fashioned for faith and not for fear. Fear is not my native land. He says, I am, I am so made that worry and anxiety are sand in the machinery of life. Michael, you deal with machinery all the time. What happens when sand gets in that machinery? It eat it up on it. And he said, sand, because I'm, I'm not created for worry. That, that's not part of my life. Worry is the sand of the machinery that's in my life. And then he continues, said, faith is the oil. I live better by faith and confidence than by fear and doubt and anxiety. Would you agree with that? I live better when I'm living by faith rather than when I'm living by worry and fear and anxiety. Then, then he continues on. He says, but in, he says, but in faith and confidence, I breathe freely. These are my native air. A John Hopkins University doctor says, we do not know why, why it is that worriers die sooner than non-worriers, but that's a fact. But I, who am of simple of mind, think I know. We are inwardly constructed in nerve and tissue, brain cell and soul, for faith and not for fear. God made us that way, to live by worry is to live against reality. Folks, that's a powerful statement. That's a powerful concept to grab that, that God has not created us to worry. God has not created us to live in fear. God has not created us as anxiety. He's created us to live by faith, and that's where we'll find freedom, and that's where we'll find the joy of our salvation. And so if that is true, then why do we want to dump all this stuff on us? Why do we want to hold of our stuff instead of leaving it there? Why do we want to take it with us all the time? Oh, folks, if each of us can grab this and begin to understand that God has created us for something better than worry, better than fear, better than anxiety, the breath he wants us to breathe is the breath of faith. And confidence in him. And that's why Paul writes those words, be anxious for nothing. 
Because anxiousness is what, not what God has created you for. Be anxious for nothing. And I don't think there's a person within this congregation that you've not dealt recently with worry or fret or fear or anxiousness. But remember, all of those are simply a result of the fall. That is not what God has created you and me for. He's created us for so much more. The fruit of the Spirit is one, love, joy, peace. You know what peace is? Peace is simply an absence of worry. Peace is the absence of worry. And Christ himself said, I'm the prince of peace. So let's just stop and let's just take some observations. And I think this is something for us to grab. Why does it, why does it come and want to grab us so hard? Why do I worry so much when my child is sick? Do I not think that God loves my child more than me? Why do I worry so much when it does not seem that my bills or my bills are more than my income? Do I not think that God can, can't take care of me? Why do I allow myself to enter in this world that God has cre not created me for? Why do I allow myself to get into this world that is simply a result of my own sin? As we stop and we examine these, let's look. When Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let a request be known to God and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard our heart and mind or soul. I think it's very interesting as we look first this idea of being anxious or do not worry, that we have to understand that worry is something that divides the mind and robs us of God's abundant life. As a matter of fact, the worry, the, the word that he puts, Merimunalo, there is, is a compound word. And, and it's, it's a compound word that the base word, the root word, it mean, means to divide. The, the other word is noose or, or the mind, so it's, it's dividing the mind. And that, that's what worry does for you and me. It comes into our lives, it enters into our lives, and, our, and, and instead of focusing our mind on, on, on the Lord and focusing on that who is our creator, our redeemer, focusing that on our, on our home, which is in heaven. And, and Paul says, that's why Paul says, he, he says that we need to focus. We, we need to, to set our affections, set our mind on, on things above and not on the things of this world. And it's an amazing thing that when we keep our eyes set on Christ, set on the one who died for us, reminded of the one who created us, who loved us so much. I, I love that verse. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How can he not freely with him give us all things? Or what about that, that, that verse that but God demonstrated his love toward us while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That when we focus on our God and we focus on the great love that he has for us, this is absolutely amazing that it just seems that, that peace is our companion. But when we begin to get our eyes off of Jesus Christ, when we begin to get our eyes off of the God who loves us and what he's done for us, our mind begins divided and we begin to focus on the things that are not of God. And so, therefore, our mind is divided. And that's where our troubles come in. You see, it divides our focus. No longer are we single-minded, focused on Christ. Now we're focused on on the issues of this world rather than the God who created this world. 
You see, that's what worry is. Worry is when, again, we get our eyes off of Christ and we get our eyes on our trouble of the things of this world. It divides our thoughts. And therefore, with that comes so much. You see, it, it robs us. It robs us emotionally. I mean, how many times have I set up at night fretting about something? How many times have I set up at night and just my, just in my gut, I'm just wadded up? Far too many than what I want to admit. You see, it robs us emotionally. The Word of God teaches us the fruit of the Spirit is love joy and peace joy and peace are the emotions when i'm when i allow myself to be divided mind and focus it's robbing me of that joy and peace that god has created me for and it does the same for you also and then then what it does to us it robs us spiritually because when we begin to get divided mind we begin to look at things other than God, what we begin to do is we begin to make idols out of things rather than God. We begin to worship our troubles. We begin to worship our, the ways that we manipulate, that, that, that how we're going to handle things rather than God handle things. And, and so it sucks the very spirituality out of us. Because no longer are we living by faith, now we're living by sight. And so it robs us from spiritually and, and it separates us from God. I think there's such a beautiful picture even in the garden. Do you remember that I told you that, that before man had sinned and God walked in the garden, man had nothing to fret about. You know, when I was a child and, and I had daddy, when, when daddy had me under tow, folks, I didn't have anything to worry about. My daddy was going to take care of me. And he was going to take care, he was going to protect me, and, and then we were going to stop by Starlin's store, and he was going to buy me a Coca-Cola and put me some peanuts in there, and, and um, he, Daddy was going to take care of me. Yeah, the, the, I've shared with you before that when I was a kid one time, and, and, and my daddy and him were killing cows, and get butchering, butchering cows, and, and I wandered off by the river and fell in the river, which he told me not to be there, and, and, um, and here my daddy in, in clothes and wallet and boots and everything, man, he bailed out into that water. Because my daddy was going to take care of his son. And you know, it's an amazing thing when, when Adam and Eve walked in the garden in the presence of God. Was there, why would you worry about anything if God is right there? But see, that that's what sin, the Bible says, but our sins have separated between us and our God. And, and when man had sinned, God drove them out of the garden. There was separation. And as soon as, soon as there was separation from God, worry began to set in. Because God was not right there. And that's what happens when we begin to focus on worry. That shows there's a separation from God that, that we don't have our eyes set on Christ anymore, that, that we're not allowing him to walk by our side anymore. But did you know it also will rob us physically? Oh, doctors are very much in agreement that way over 50, more like 60% of every person, every bed that's filled in the hospital today is stress-related. And it doesn't mean that there's not real illness involved, but folks... So much heart illness is dealt, is dealt with stress. Because stress affects our entire body. Because remember, worry is the sand that gets in the gears. And as long as that sand is there, those gears 
are going to wear down. And, and folks, when we allow, when we allow the, the sand of worry to get into our life, it's going to affect our heart. It's going to affect our digestive tract. Did you realize that one of the first things of, of the, um, that goes wrong in depression or anxiety is the bowels? Daughters will tell you that all day long. It, affects, it, it will affect your digestive system. It will affect your heart. It will, it, 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 it will affect your urinary tract. And so it's a very known fact that, that when we allow when we allow our minds to be divided and focusing on the troubles of the world rather on God, then folks, it's going to mess us up. So why do we do it? Why do we hang there? Why do we allow this junk to continue to be within our bodies? That which God has not created for us, that, that worry divides our mind and it robs us of God's abundance. And I think we all can agree upon that. But then we also need to understand, and we spoke about this last week, that worry is more of a reflection on my view of God rather than on my circumstances. Worry is more of a reflection on my view of God rather than on my circumstances. You see, this is where it's hard to get into Because most of us, when we allow ourselves to, to worry, what we are, even though we would never call ourselves an atheist, that I don't believe in God, what we're doing is we're practicing atheism. Because what we're saying is God, even though we say, yeah, I believe in God, but we're not saying, I, but I believe that, God's going to take, that God has the power to take care of my problems. That my God's not big enough. There's a great book that's written, How Big Is Your God? Do you think God is big enough to take care of every your problem? Do you, do, let me just ask, who in here thinks that God is big enough to take care of all your problems? Does anybody believe that? Why do you worry? You see kind of somehow fragile that, that, that our faith is, that, that we say this is what I believe, but in practicality, we don't live it that way. Because when I worry, what I'm saying is, God, it's my view of you is I don't either believe that you are who you say you are. I don't believe that you'll do what you say you'll do. God, I don't really trust you. I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I've tried to minister to someone. And, and I, I, I truly have tried to reach out and minister. And, but they kind of pushed away from me because basically they didn't trust me. When I had the purest heart that I really, all I was wanting to do, but, but, but basically they just pushed away, I don't trust you. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe, maybe they have been, all their life have been let down and, and, and their trust factor for other people has, has been let down and said, so therefore, they don't trust you. But folks, don't we do that to God all the time? And so therefore, instead of trusting God, we worry. That God, that you're not big enough to help my, my wayward child. God, that you're not big enough to help my busted up marriage. God, you're not big enough to help me overcome this addiction or this hurt or this hang up or this habit. You know, instead of coming and leaving them at the, at, the, at the foot of God and say, God, this is yours, casting all our care upon you, that, that we take them back and we hold them ourselves because we don't think God can be trusted with our hurts. You see, again, worry is more of a reflection 
on your view of God rather than on your circumstances. Because he that really believes that God is and that he's rewarder of those that diligently seek him has no problem of laying their troubles and leaving them to God. Jesus Christ said, come to me, all you that weary and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. I mean, folks, this is a request by Jesus Christ. This is an appeal of Jesus Christ. People say that Jesus didn't give invitations. Folks, that's an invitation. Come unto me. Come unto me, all you that are weary, all you that are, are heavy laden. What are you heavy laden with? What are you troubled with today? Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's the, the, the health of a loved one. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's, it's a battle that you're fighting inside. Jesus says, come unto me. And I'll give you a rest. What's robbing you of your sleep? What's robbing you of your peace? Jesus is saying to you, come unto me. Don't you think that he's God enough that will bless you? Don't you think that God loves you enough that, that he wants to take care of you? Come unto me, he says. Come unto me. Casting all our care upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. Folks, what? What is the way that you're acting? What was your view of God by the way that you've been acting? If I'm dealing with anxiety, if I'm dealing with worry, and I'm saying, God, I really don't believe you're who you said you are. See that? What that does is that puts it back on us, dear friends. See, that's what we have to understand. We have to take ownership of our own worry. We can't blame the world on our circumstances. We can't blame the world on our anxiety. We have to take ownership of it ourselves. You see, we love to live in a blame world. That started right within the garden when, when, when man and sin and man begin to blame one another. And that's what we've continued to do. And that's why, again, even when we have troubles and we have worries, you know, we want to blame it on someone else. We want to blame it on our circumstances or even we want to blame it on God. And, 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 but the fact is, is we have, to, we have to take ownership of our own worry. Because God's God. He can do whatever. Are we going to trust him to do it or not? So let's just walk on through. Let's, let's look at something else. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication. Let your request be known to God, and the peace of God which passes all understanding. Folks, that's a promise. And the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind in Jesus Christ. Let me just, a little another observation of worry. Worry cannot change my circumstances at all. But it will change my attitude in all of my circumstances. Let me, let me just repeat that again because, folks, this shows the vanity and the futility of worry. Worry cannot change my circumstances at all. But it will change my attitude in all of my circumstances. Think about that. Jesus Christ himself said, Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic to a stature? You know what he's saying? How crazy is worry? How crazy is staying up all night long and worrying about something? That's not going to change anything. 
All it's doing is robbing you. It's sucking the life out of you. Corey Ten Boom wrote these words. Worry does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow. It empties today of its strength. Worry will not, it will not solve anything other than it will lay a burden on you that God has not intended you to carry. How foolish then is worry. How foolish then is fretting on something I can't change anyhow. You know, there's an old saying that there's only, for every situation, for every problem that I have, there's only two solutions. Either I can change it, and if you can change it, don't worry about it, do something about it. Don't sit there and worry about something that you have the power to change. Do something about it. Again, that's on you. Or it can't be changed at all, and if it can't be changed at all, why worry about that? You know, well, again, we have, to take, we have to take ownership. God has given us. He's given us the power. He's given us the grace. To, to First of all, the power to act and to do something or to trust Him. And so why worry? If I can change it, change it. If I can't, just trust God. And accept maybe that might be God's providence for my life. And so hold on to these things. Think about that. Think about all the times that we fretted. I can't pay my mortgage. Your bank's going to come get my house. Well, folks, if you don't have the money and the mortgage, mortgage man is due, he may come get your house. So what? So what? You have to sometimes accept the inevitable. You know, again, I, I may be sick, and boy, the doctors told me that, that um, the, this cancer is ravaging my soul, and, 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 and I'm only given so many months. Pray. But guess what? Death's not the worst thing in the world. Not if you're a child of God. I mean, then you're going to be entering that place there is no worry. See, worry will not change your circumstances. It's, not, it's going to not going to make your cancer go away. It's not going to make your bills go away. Worry's not going to make your child all of a sudden turn back and run home and say, Mom and Dad, I'm sorry. Worry's not going to change any of that. So why sit around fretting about it? Why not get your back at your eyes on God? And the Bible says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. I tell you, the, the times in my life, and, and I, I can't say that I'm exempt from this. As a matter of fact, I have dealt with it much, much in my life. But I know one of the greatest cures is, buddy, when I begin to sing. I don't know the, what, the power of song. And some of the times when, 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 when anxiety has grabbed my soul, because what's happened is my eyes has got focused off of God. And boy, I, I flip in and, and um, a praise song. And it helps put my eyes back on Christ and it's just amazing how my worry is away Paul says rejoice in the Lord always again I say rejoice rejoice in the Lord when cancer is knocking at my door rejoice in the Lord when my child is in total rebellion rejoice in the Lord when it doesn't seem like I have the money to pay my bills. 
You see, folks, regardless of your circumstances, God's still God. He's still on the throne. And we need to turn back and focus on Him. Rejoice in the Lord. Not fret over my circumstances, but rejoice in the Lord. Folks, it's all going to work out. All things work together for good for those who love Him, for those who's called according to His purpose. Do you believe that? Why not live by that then? But then let's just, let's just take it a step further. Let's take it a step further. Because when he says, finally, my brethren, in verse 8, and I believe these verses are connected. Finally, my brothers, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble or honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue or anything praiseworthy, what does he say? Think on these things. And this opens up a whole new world. Why do we allow ourselves to worry? Why do we allow ourselves to get caught up even though we agree that worry is futile, worry cannot change my circumstances, even though we agree that, that, that worry is more of my, it tells me more about my view of God? But why do I still do it? Even though I know that worry is a sand in the machinery of my life, because folks, we're in a great spiritual battle out there. There's an adversary seeking whom he made an hour. And one of the greatest attacks of the adversary is against our mind. And, and so therefore, we allow these things to come into our mind, even though we agree that I believe that God will handle all my problems. I believe that God has the power and the, and the love to, to, to help me and minister to me, even though I, I agree that, that worry is, is, is a low view of God, even though I believe that, that worry cannot change my circumstances. Why do I still worry? Because, folks, we're under spiritual attack. And just like Satan came to Eve in the garden, and he began to sow doubt within her mind. And he began to, to, to sow evil thoughts within her mind. He continues to do that today. And that's why Paul, and if you have your Bibles, and let me turn to this, and Paul says these words in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Folks, this is so important. This is so important, I encourage you. You're not, you're not going to get all of this now, but you need to take back, and you need to go back and read over this. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, verse 3, if you're there, say amen. amen. He says, though we walk in the flesh, even though we live within this world, he says, we do not war after the flesh. He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not of the flesh. Folks, if we can't fight Satan in the flesh, He'll whip us over time. He's the prince of this world. But then he con continues on, but, we're, but our weapons are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Let's talk about that for just a moment. The, our weapons, and our, what are our weapons? Our weapons are the word of God. Our weapons are the spirit of God that dwells within us. It's a, our, the word of God is the sword of the spirit. And, and he says that our weapons are not carnal. They're not of the flesh. They're of God. God has equipped us to fight these battles that causes us to worry and causes us to have anxiety. When you, when you are finding yourself fretting, when you're finding yourself worrying, when you're, you're finding yourself keyed up and not trusting God, you have to understand that you're in a spiritual battle and you need to fight it on that plane. He says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. What are these strongholds? A stronghold is a military term. It's where, where the military sets up a, a point where they can attack from. It's a beachhead, if you would. 
Because in the military, when they, when they were fighting in, in World War II in the islands off of Japan and in the Pacific coast, they knew that if they could ever get a beachhead, it, it, it might have only been very small, but if they could ever get landed, if they ever could get a beachhead, then they could begin to fight from there. It's like if they ever thought, if the United States ever thought, if we can get our foot on that island, then he's ours. Because we're going to pour everything we can, and we're going to build up a bulkhead. We're going to build up a stronghold there. Folks, Satan wants to do that to you and me. Because he realizes if he can build up a stronghold within your mind, even though it may be ever small, he'll begin to build up from there. What he'll begin to do is then he'll, where we have opened ourselves up to believe a lie, whatever it may be. Or we've, uh, we've allowed ourselves to open up and not trusting God, getting our eyes off of God and, and onto our circumstance, then he'll come in and within our mind he'll set up a stronghold. Maybe we'll believe a little lie. Well, husbands and wives allow strongholds to build up in their lives because something to go on. I, I mean, b- before when they were married and when they were engaged, boy, they just, boy, they just want to slobber all over one another, man. You know, that was a woman. And, 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 and they really believed that they loved one another. But then you let something happen. You know, let one of them disappoint. And one of the greatest problems with, with, with in, in marriages and, is because of false expectations. We build up, you know, these, these young ladies have built up that, that, that he's going to be a knight in shining armor. Let me tell you, young ladies, there's no knights in shining armor out there. That's in the storybooks. And boy, guys bring in their mind, boy, she's going, to be, she's going to be the thing that meets all my needs. Well, guess what? She can't meet all your needs. And as soon as that false expectation comes, then you begin to believe a lie, well, she must not love me like I love her. And that gets planted within your mind. And you begin to believe that lie that she doesn't love you. And guess what? As you begin to believe that lie, then everything that she does is not exactly according to what you think. That just reinforces that stronghold. That, that brings more enemy in. I mean, that means it brings more troops into that stronghold. And after a while, there's nothing she can say or do because you've, you are allowed this stronghold to come up into your mind. And, and pretty soon you are convinced that this person that has given everything for you doesn't love you anymore. Or, or maybe that, that, that you've had an illness and you had a prayer that was not unanswered. I mean, was not answered the way God... And so you begin to believe that God, God either doesn't love me or, or I can't really trust God with my problems. God didn't heal my child. And so you begin to believe that line, and, and, and Satan begins to reinforce that, and, and, and he allow other things to come up into your life where, where it just reinforces that, that, that maybe God can't be trusted. And so therefore, you begin to manipulate things. You begin to do it yourself. Because God didn't answer my prayer. See, folks, this goes on all the time. So we have to guard our hearts and our minds and against the strongholds. But the Bible says, for the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds. Just because they have been set up and we have believed a lie or we have believed the lust of our heart, that can be torn down through the weapons of warfare. But listen to what he continues on. Because just what I've been, been saying, um, he, he continues on. For the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. Wow. Man. 
casting down arguments or casting down things that will reinforce those strongholds. It's absolutely amazing to me that, that once that stronghold is embedded within our mind, how many other lies that we'll believe that we'll sit down and imagine, that we'll, we'll allow our mind to begin to run away from, with us, and then we'll begin to get every excuse in the world. As a matter of fact, you know, you know she doesn't love me anymore. And then, you know what, I better protect myself. And, and every time you see her do something that, boy, you have an imagination, see that, that reinforces that. And, and you begin to allow your mind to run away from you. Because you've created imaginations now off of those strongholds. You've created arguments to help prove the lie that you're believing. Man, I have seen that so much. Folks, we don't need to live off of the imaginations of the strongholds that Satan has put in our minds. You know, what we'll begin to do with those imaginations, we'll begin to give ourselves justification. That we'll believe if God really doesn't love me, then I can get out and live like I want to, and there's nothing wrong with me destroying my body with alcohol or drugs or sex because God doesn't love me anymore. And so we begin to give our, ourselves permission. And we begin to justify ourselves. Has that ever happened to you? Sure. You know, I've seen imaginations work so hard where I've seen people that I know loved one another. I, I knew they truly loved one another. But because something was said within an argument. And because somebody had a, a, imaginations built up within me or strongholds built up in their mind and they were looking for someone to say something, but the person said something totally different, but they believed it. They believed that person said something else. And because the, their mind was set with that imagination. And these people loved one another. But yet they, they were at odds because of the imaginations they had allowed to be built up within their minds. I wonder how many marriages have fallen apart because of that. I wonder how many families or how many relationships have been destroyed with that. I wonder how many people have been destroyed because of because an unanswered prayer that they allowed that to unravel in imaginations and walk away from God. See, he said, but the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty through God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. And every high thing exalts itself against the glory of God. And then listen to what he says. This is so key. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Folks, if there's one discipline that you need to learn, and you need to learn quickly, it's this discipline. And bringing in, bringing every thought, or bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. And what he's saying is, is every thought we think because we need, we need to bring that thought into being because thoughts are simply who we are. Thoughts will lead us to actions. Every action is always preceded by thought. And he's saying, therefore, every thought that we have, remember there's a battleground going on in our mind. And Satan is tempting us. He is, he is casting his, his darts at us. He is casting his deception at us. He's trying to twist things and make us imagine things that are not there. And so therefore, every thought that we have, we need to take it into captivity 
And then how do we measure whether that thought is of God or not? That's what Philippians 4, 8 and 5, 4, 8 is. Therefore, my brethren, whatsoever things are true. You see how these verses are connected together? Whatsoever things are true. You need to ask yourself, as you take that thought into captivity, does my, you know, she doesn't love me. Ask yourself, is that true? Listen, she's left everything for me. That's a lie from hell. I'm telling you what, friends, I have had to say that to myself so many times that that's a lie from hell. That is not true. Or, or, or maybe God doesn't love me. Folks, that's a, that's a lie straight from hell. God loves you. Whatever things are true, you need to measure every thought you have and ask yourself, is that true? And if it's not true, you need to get rid of that thought. Because what you begin to do is you begin to tear down those strongholds. You know, if, if you begin to take the lies of Satan with the truth, that will cast down those strongholds. It will pull them down because he, he can't hold that against you anymore. Is, is that a noble thought? Is that an honest thought? If it's not noble, if it's not honest, then get rid of that thought. Hey, guys, how about this one? Whatsoever is pure. Because, guys, we, we have a real problem of thinking on, thinking on things that are unholy. Because with our eyes, we're so stimulated. And through that, that it's easy for our minds to go places it shouldn't be. That if we, just imagine what it would do is if we would take every thought captive and ask ourselves, is this thought pure? If it's not, you know, we need to take that thought captive. Our mind is going where it doesn't go. And it doesn't mean that it won't, folks. We, we're going to be tempted. We're going to be tempted. What if David was on, what if David, when he was up on that, that rooftop that night, and he looked down at Bathsheba, and he began to think thoughts that he shouldn't have thought, this man after God's own heart, and he would have thought to himself, is the thoughts I'm having toward Bathsheba pure? He says, no, they're not pure, so I'm going to walk away. I'm going to take that thought captive. Folks, he had, he, his family would have never been destroyed. He says before then, whatsoever is just, is this right? Is this right for me to be thinking about that? If it's not just, then folks, we need, we need to put that aside. Is this a lovely thought? If it's not lovely, then, then I need to lay it aside. If, it, if it's not of good report, I need to lay it aside. See, this is a grid that God has given us but that's based upon truth. Whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, if, if, if there's any things of virtue or if anything of good report, he says, think on these things. Because these are godly thoughts. So that's what we have to do. We have to begin to capture every thought. You see, we are not commanded to worry. Therefore, worry is a choice. We have a choice about these things. What we need to begin to do is choose. Choose to trust God in everything with prayer. We've already looked at that. Choose to, to focus my thoughts on the truth of God rather than on the lies of the world. And true, then choose to act upon these things. Do them. And I can tell you right now, folks, it's not easy to learn the discipline of taking every thought captive. And that's, you're not going to learn to do that overnight. But you can do that. You can to begin to live your life where you begin to, to measure every thought. And then as, as you 
think that thought, ask yourself, is this true? Is this noble? Is this just? Is this pure? Is this lovely? Is this a good report? If not, then I need to get rid of it. You'll be amazed how you can tear that stronghold down out of your life. You can be amazed how much your imaginations that, that, that used to just drag you down will be put out of your life. You'll be amazed how worry begins to flee your life. Because no longer are you believing a lie. You're trusting in Christ. You see, it's a choice. Worry is a choice. I choose to allow myself to fret. And so when you begin to worry, just think about it. When you begin to worry, you ask yourself, is this true? Did you know that probably 80% of the things we worry about don't even come about anyhow? Is this true? No, this is just, this just built up in my imagination. Is this honest? Is this, is this just? Is it pure? It's amazing that once we begin to, to, when we begin to worry about issues and we begin to run them through this grid, then we find out there's nothing really to worry about because we begin to focus on God. Folks, Remember again, Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Think about it. If God loves you and me so much that he sacrificed his son for you, he didn't spare his son, but he loved you so much that he gave his son to die for you, then how can he not freely with him Give you all things. If he's already given you his son, how can he not give you his other blessings? I mean, that's just a, what, what Paul is, is making a logical argument. If God loved you so much to send Jesus Christ to die for your sins, that he was hung naked upon a cross for you, and he did it all for you, <laughs> is he going to let you down in the trivial things of life? No. He said, that's absurd. Trust God, folks. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything with prayer and supplication, choose to leave it to God in prayer. But, it, but in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. And he says, in the, he says, in the peace of God which passes all understanding will guard your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Are you willing to do that? In just a moment, we're going we're gonna to have a time we're gonna, where Jesus is coming to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Jesus gave an invitation. I'm going to give you an invitation too. I'm going to ask you to come to Jesus. What I'm going to ask you to do is those, those thing, things that have been just wadding you up. Again, it could be, it could be a, a matter of things. It could be, it could be a, 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 a hang-up or a habit that's just got you bound up. Or it could be a wayward child, the worry of a wayward child. Or it could be the worry of your finances. Or it could be the worry of your health. Man, it's just, just eating at you. What I'm going to ask you to do is bring them to Jesus, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. And what I'm going to ask you to do is choose to trust God. I want to ask you to choose to come. And, and I, I'm going to ask you to do something, but not st- sit where you are. Come and just... Just think of this as being the altar of Christ. Come 
And just like that old preacher says, stuff, stuff all your stuff in a bag and leave it right there. Just leave it and say, God, this is your business. You love me, God. And I'm going I'm to trust you that I'm going I'm I'm to leave that child with you. I'm going to leave my finances with you. doesn't mean that you shouldn't, you shouldn't do what you know what you need to do. But folks, so much of our worry is that we choose not to trust God. Casting all your care upon him because he cares. Can you imagine the freedom, what it would be like? See, remember, we're not of this world. And worry is simply part of the curse of this world. So why do we need to continue to allow that which is of the world to hang on to us? I'm asking you to bring it to Jesus. You may need to be saved today. You may not know about your salvation. And that thing is just eat at your soul. I wouldn't go another five minutes with worrying about that. I'd bring it to Jesus. You may need to talk to someone about your salvation today. He loves you so much he died for you. And I'm asking you today to give it to Jesus. Turn, you, turn from your ways unto him. And Father, I pray that you'd bless this time. And God, I pray today that God, that we would be set free. God, that we would be set free from worry. The God, your word says, casting all our care upon him, for he cares for us. Your word says, through Jesus Christ, come to me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. Your word teaches us to take no thought for tomorrow. God, your word teaches us to be anxious for nothing, but in everything with prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, to let our requests be going to you. And you've promised us that if we would do that, that God, your peace, which passes all understanding, will guard our heart and mind. God, your word is true. Whatsoever things are true. And so God, let us think upon those things, but do more than that, let us act upon those things. Let us do them things that we have seen and heard right now. God, set us free from worry. God, I just pray if there's a person here that's lost today, that, that God, that it does not know the, the sweetness of the forgiveness of their sins, that God, today, that they had turned their life to you, turned from their wicked ways, and turned to you. And God, we open these altars up now. Bless these altars. In Christ's name, amen.